Welcome to MBA Podcaster, the only broadcast source for cutting-edge information and advice on the MBA application process. I'm Janet Nakano. Focusing your MBA education has a lot of benefits. It can fill in gaps in work history, give you expertise in a field, and help you break into a specific industry. In part one of our series on MBA tracks, we learned that there's a difference between just taking an elective course to actually specializing your MBA degree. Last time, we explored tracks in entrepreneurship, technology, general management, and finance. This time, we'll look at four more popular tracks in nonprofit management, marketing, real estate, and healthcare. We'll talk to the heads of well-established MBA programs in these fields. If you missed part one of our series, visit our website, mbapodcaster.com. Not-for-profit organizations are ironically big business. According to the National Center for Charitable Statistics, there are about 1.5 million nonprofits in the U.S. alone. And in 2004, the nonprofit sector accounted for more than 8% of wages and salaries paid. Kristen McCormick is faculty director of the Public and Nonprofit Management Program at Boston University School of Management. She says there is less and less difference between for-profit businesses and nonprofits. I think a, a trend in business schools now is that the lines are actually really blurring between what's for-profit, what's nonprofit, what's government, and what are the roles of those three organizations. So increasingly, you'll see a for-profit business that might be in the business of running halfway and drug addiction recovery houses. Then on the other hand, you might have a nonprofit that's actually running a for-profit business subsidiary. So you might have the Delancey Street Foundation in San Francisco that's running moving services and landscaping services and a restaurant. So the trend in business schools is that there's really a blurring of those lines. Nonprofits technically are organized differently as a corporation under IRS law. Uh, The majority of nonprofits, though not all, are tax-exempt charitable organizations, so that's a 501c3 corporation under IRS law. But generally, they're a corporation that's organized for the purposes of public benefit. Increasingly, MBAs are needed in the nonprofit industry since many of these charitable organizations are built on business principles. McCormick says MBA students with a nonprofit concentration go into three main areas. A third of our students go on to run and manage nonprofit corporations, everything from arts organizations to environmental organizations to housing advocacy organizations. They can be executive director, they can be director of development, the chief financial officer, program developer. So in some management position at a nonprofit organization, either local nonprofit organizations or national nonprofit organizations, of which there are over a million in the country, and it's actually the fastest growing sector. Another third go into something that's related to nonprofits, which is corporate philanthropy, corporate social responsibility, socially responsible investing. That's not nonprofit management, but many students who enroll in a nonprofit program at a university will increasingly have that as their focus. And then the third, 
are people who go into government organizations. So the Government Accountability Office, somebody might be, you know, a senior analyst there. And we also left out kind of nonprofit consulting. Most of the big firms now have nonprofit consulting arms. So somebody graduated last year, for instance, works for Deloitte in their public and nonprofit consulting arm. Finding a job in the nonprofit sector might be somewhat challenging. McCormick says most nonprofits don't recruit on campuses. The majority of nonprofits, whether they're local or national, don't have the ability to recruit. They don't have paid corporate recruiters the way some of the financial firms do. There are some exceptions to that. For the most part, nonprofit organizations don't have enough staff to go to career fairs. So, you know, we'll have a, a smattering of them at our career fairs. But most of the connections that our students make are through the alumni network. We've got a very strong alumni network of almost 800 alums. And we subscribe to the nonprofit MBA connection, which ferrets out very wonderful jobs that are appropriate for our MBA students. We also work and use the resources of Idealist. We you know, go to their fairs. Our students go to their fairs that they sponsor, which are quite heavily populated by nonprofit organizations. So we really access the network that's out there. We also have a lot of connections with nonprofit headhunters and nonprofit recruiting firms. We often hear that you'll have to take a substantial pay cut in the nonprofit sector. And while it's admirable to work for a socially responsible cause, you still want to pay back that hefty MBA education. However, McCormick says nonprofit salaries are competitive especially at the top. The highest paid positions in the sector are the director of development, the chief financial officer, and the executive director. And that those three tiers are very well paid. There's quite a shortage of people both at the you know, on the finance side, in the fundraising side, and in fact even the number of executive directors who are predicted to retire in the next 10 years is substantial. There's a trend toward a number of the nonprofits that started in the 1970s, for instance, and may even have those same executive directors. Those people are now retiring. So there's an anticipated shortage of executive directors and leadership in nonprofit corporations. If you're interested in pursuing an MBA with a concentration in nonprofit management, McCormick says you should evaluate programs on a few criteria. First, look at the course offerings. Some programs look maybe a little richer than they are, you know, so there's a listing of courses, but then you find out that course is taught once every two years or hasn't been taught for three years. So ask how frequently courses are taught and how many electives are available per semester. The second would be what are the opportunities for students to do hands-on projects, both related to classroom learning as well as internships. You know, what support is there for that? And then third, what are the networks available for job placement after graduation? I would also very much always, always visit the programs and ask to sit in on a class, talk to some current students, um, definitely do your homework because marketing only goes so far. And honestly, all the programs look good if you're, you know, looking on the web, but you really want to go there and get a sense of, who, who are the people? Who are the students? Who am I going to be going to school with? Is this a place that I want to be? Yale, Stanford, and Harvard are also schools with strong nonprofit concentrations. 
You can blame it on Donald Trump's reality show or the recent real estate boom. Whatever the reason, real estate is a popular concentration. Meanwhile, real estate companies are seeing the benefit of hiring MBA graduates. And business schools? Well, you definitely won't have a hard time finding real estate courses in MBA programs. Julia Huang is executive director for the full-time MBA program at the Haas School of Business at the University of California, Berkeley. What we have seen is because the residential real estate market has slowed down and other areas are still strong, so builders such as Pult Homes or Shea Homes have reduced their hirings. But we've seen really solid recruiting from asset management firms, investment banks, and corporations who need um, real estate professionals to manage their facilities. Um, site development and REITs. Huang says careers in real estate generally fall into two categories: development and finance. On the development side, you'd take on residential or commercial projects, working in areas like risk management, market research, acquisitions, financing, and operations. In the finance area, you could focus on corporate or investment finance, which include areas like asset management, loan origination, and mortgage banking. Though Huang says careers in real estate aren't limited to the real estate industry. We have students join investment banks where they focus on the real estate industry, and we also have students work in real estate departments of large technology and retail firms. So we have recent graduates who have. Been hired as development associates for both residential and commercial developers, a CFO and an associate investment manager for a real estate investment trust, and an analyst focusing on the real estate industry for a major investment firm. Real estate is by nature risky business. Properties are expensive investments, while seeing a return can be slow in coming. Huang says that's why the industry looks for candidates with specific skills. The people、uh, in the real estate industry are looking for people with a lot of tenacity, and people who are comfortable in taking risk to succeed. Communication skills are another important characteristic that the recruiters are looking for, and they're also looking for people who are really comfortable in working with all types of people, so including. Professionals, you know, financiers, citizen organization, or environmental groups, and so being able to deal with all these different constituencies are an important aspect. And they're looking for people who can multitask and certainly be creative in their problem solving. Recruiters from the real estate industry do recruit on MBA campuses, but Huang says many students will have to reach out to companies on their own. Or they'll often find jobs through networking. We think that the approach of having the theoretical in the classroom experience, as well as the offerings of extracurricular, are really important because this industry is a lot about the contacts that you make. So that's really important to get your name out and also to understand what these. Different distinct、um, function or positions do. Wharton and Keenan Flagler also offer real estate concentrations. Marketing is one of the giants in MBA programs. There are a variety of careers and plenty of opportunities. Lucinda Wright is MBA Career Services Director at the Eli Broad College of Business at Michigan State University. She says, "Look at marketing as a continuum, with one end highly quantitative, and the other end creative." And you start on the highly quantitative side, where there's some overlap, even with people in, with finance backgrounds. You have business development, 
And in business development, what you're doing is looking at the landscape and helping a, a company determine their new incremental revenue streams, the new strategic platforms. What are the opportunity and gaps in the marketplace that perhaps the company could could capitalize on and, and develop new revenue streams. So it's very financially based. You're looking at viability, attractiveness, the strategy, you know, core competencies. Can we win? How big is this marketplace? It's also the upfront piece of innovation. You look at the marketplace and you say, gee, looks like um, – Mass customization is a trend out there, and, and we don't really have a premium brand that fits into that. Maybe that's an area where we could launch some new products and gain you know, some new competitive space. And you look at how viable that is, how attractive that is to the company. So those are where business development can exist. Sometimes business development is called strategy in companies as well. Then moving down the continuum, you come to new product development or product development. Now, normally an MBA is not highly prized in, in this particular bucket. Normally this job is housed in the R&D area, and so they value advanced degrees in whatever the technical area is. But in, there are occasions where marketers are asked to be a liaison and can be embedded in R&D and work with the product developers to commercialize their ideas. So it's not unheard of, it's just less likely. And if you want to do product development, you'd be better off getting a different degree than an MBA. Then you slide down to market research. And in market research, you're looking at, obviously, the consumer and customer dynamics of a marketing organization. So answering you know, the business questions that the brand marketers may have or the business developers or the M&A folks. So you're the technical expert and you look at every aspect of marketing, but you do it in answering business questions and you take data and information and you elevate that to insight and business recommendations for, for the rest of the organization. So that's the more quantitative side. And all of those jobs are much more consulting in nature. The, the job itself is, is an internal consultancy. You don't run the business. You have a function within marketing, and you present recommendations to then the, the brand marketers who typically run run the businesses, or you know senior leaders, for instance. So, from a personality perspective, it, the people who gravitate to those jobs obviously you know like the, the more highly analytical side of things, but they also have to like being a consultant and have great influencing skills. Brand management is another popular career choice for MBAs. Wright says in this field, you'll still have one foot in the highly quantitative side. But now you start to see the creative side. You also have to be balanced on the creative side. In the traditional classic brand management world, you, you cannot be successful if you don't have good advertising instincts and creative instincts. However, you run a business, and so you also have to be very disciplined and fact-based and grounded in the financials and what makes sense and, you know, can we make money at this and is there profitability involved. So you can't be totally creative because that's what you have agencies for, ad agencies, but yet you have to have insight into consumer behavior and have a feel for and be able to evaluate creative. So it's one foot in quantitative, one in, in creative to be truly successful. And now you're running a business. Now it's not being a consultant. Now you're risk profile changes too because you have to be willing to take all of the risk and have be the one accountable 
the buck stops with you. Brand management, business development, and market research may be the most popular career choices in marketing. But Wright says there's another area that's looking for more MBAs. There is an increase, especially for MBAs, although they tend to not be excited about this. But in channel marketing, which is really customer marketing, and it's different than sales. Being the channel marketing person responsible for a Walmart, for instance, what you do is you become the marketer for the retailer. So you have to know their customer better than they know their customer, and you have to, it's a two-level job. You have to help them increase their business as well as increase their, you know, their appeal on the customer and consumer side. Marketing is a career path that will weed out those not fully committed to it, says Wright. So make sure you have the marketing spirit. If you're not innately curious as to why people behave the way they do, if you don't, you know, watch advertising, if you're not interested in new products coming out, if you if you don't do some of those things naturally and normally, then it's probably not your thing. I mean, because that's what you do all day long. Is you wonder, well, I wonder, you know, I wonder why that store is doing double coupons, or you know, gosh, I think that advertising is really hideous. Or I mean, if, you, if that's not innately things that you're already doing, then it's, it's probably you're probably not a brand marketer or a market researcher because that's what you do all day long. Now, business development's a little bit different because if you like to if you like to run the numbers, if you like the puzzle, you know, the strategy kind of puzzle piece thing. That's more the business development side, although there's an element of that across the board. But you really have to like putting price tags on things and really, you know, figuring out whether something works or not. Healthcare is a complex industry, and it runs as a business, at least here in the U.S. It is a huge concern for most Americans, and with so many scandals at hospitals, with doctors and insurance companies, better healthcare management is in demand. Errol Biggs is director of health administration programs at the University of Colorado at Denver Business School. The MBA with a major in health, the MHA. Uh, which is pretty traditional. These people tend to be running hospitals. They are in HMOs. They go into pharmaceutical companies. They are running big medical group practices and consulting. While Big says salaries are competitive with other fields like accounting and finance, healthcare management can be quite lucrative. Hospital executives earning million-dollar salaries and more are not unheard of. But salaries like those are often criticized in the midst of rising costs in care. Big says it's one of the biggest industries in need of more talented managers. There's a lot of opportunities. There's a lot of problems. A lot of chaos. Access to health care. The baby boomers are getting older. There's going to be a shortage of doctors. Big says not many recruiters come to campus, but hospitals, clinics, and the like will contact the school with job opportunities for their students. If you want to work in the healthcare industry, he says, it's important to have a healthcare concentration. Many, maybe not all, but many healthcare organizations—hospitals, HMOs, group practices, consulting—they don't hire regular MBAs because they don't think they have any clue of what's going on in healthcare. 
Healthcare management is a very specialized field, says Biggs. So if you decide on this path, choose a program carefully. The, the best way to choose a program, I tell students all the time, whether you come to the University of Colorado or not, number one, do not go to an unaccredited program. Number two, do not go to a brand new program or a program that's recently started. Go to a program that has a strong alumni association where you've got graduates you can interact with and, and that, that may help you. And number three, if you absolutely want to live in New England or New York City or Boston, you shouldn't come to Colorado or West Coast or Texas. You probably ought to go to school in, in, in uh, Boston or uh, even George Washington, Washington, D.C. or Columbia. The networking is better. And there are always exceptions, of course. Somebody could graduate from Colorado and run a hospital in Maine. But in general, those three things uh, is what you want to look at. For more information, advice, and to register for your weekly MBA podcast, visit mbapodcaster.com. Be sure to join us again as we continue this series on MBA tracks. In part three, we'll cover accounting, human resources, operations management, and more. I'm Janet Nicanor, and this is MBA Podcaster. Thanks for listening.